Hi everyone and welcome to the Spencer Lodge podcast sponsored by our awesome events manager Najahi Events. Now on the, on the podcast every week I try and bring you talented people that have got a story to tell, a message to share and guess what? We've got someone epic today. Cue the music. So before we get started, let's make an introduction. It's Adrian Grenier on the show. Yes! Hello, hello, <laughs> podcast audience. Glad so, to be here. Thank you very much for coming to join us for the short time that you've got while you're here in Dubai. Yes. First question. Yeah. What's your impression of this place? Wow. Wow. It's, it is quite uh, impressive, I have to say. Um, I didn't know what to expect, to be honest. Uh, you know, seen magical pictures. It's probably the most Instagrammable city. Uh, it's just gorgeous. The sunsets are amazing. The, the buildings are, uh, I, I find, very elegant and majestic. It's like, a, it's beautiful. Before you came here in, in, in this part of the world, did you have a perception of what it would be like? Like, like a lot of people do before they come here, they're kind of like, oh, it's a bit, you know, a bit restricted or a bit conservative or it's the Middle East, it's close to Iraq and all that kind of stuff. Because people do have that impression. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm also influenced by, you know, what is reported, what's told, uh, what we're told and uh, the fears that people want to put into you to keep you in line. Uh, but at the end of the day, it, when you land somewhere and you meet the people, we all come from the same place, I think. And, and it, it really depends on where you, I mean, some people are afraid to come to Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah. Come to Brooklyn. It's not that scary. I promise. Good point. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very I was very excited to have this opportunity to open my horizons and really see the people and be a part of the, the evolving uh, culture that's that's happening right here. I always think that no matter where you come from, no matter what your religious background, whatever your race is, we all actually want the same things. Yeah. We want to live in safety. We want to have a nice time with our family. We want to get, give our kids an education. Yeah. And yeah. We, we want to love our neighbor. Yeah. And, and I find it really interesting that there's, there's lots of conversation that takes place amongst people to try and fragment that. Mm -hmm. when it just doesn't need to be there because we're, no matter, you know, people say religion, you're different. I don't believe you are. I just mm -hmm. think you're all the same. Yeah, well, I think, there are certain people in power that want to create a rivalrous uh, atmosphere as a means to control and maintain power. Um, and we have to be careful not to buy into that and become it as well. Uh, so while we're trying to diffuse and dismantle those power structures, uh, we have to make sure that we don't become the thing we most fear. And fear will often build that. So I try and take a deep breath open my heart and just be available and know the truth that you say, which is we all want the same thing. Mm. Now, I, I, I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs, okay? Young people starting businesses, wanting to grow and become successful. You're, you, whether you're an actor, a singer, a businessman, the fact is you will go out and you pursue a profession. You became extremely famous for a, a character that you played in a massively successful TV show. Did that success that you got from that mean that you and please tell me yes mean that you had to deal with a lot of rejection along the way well what do they say the you know the master has made more mistakes than the student will ever has ever tried um i'm still the student so i'm still making mistakes 
not the master yet. Uh, yeah, of course, there's lots of, it's the name of the game, really. Even if you've reached a certain level in your career, uh, you, you're still now fighting for the same roles that people who have been around longer or who have more stature than you are also trying to get. So, it, you know, it's always, it's a grind, certainly a grind. But I'm, you know, what I'm happy to do is, is let go of that, um, the, the ladder, trying to the hamster wheel, trying to always constantly acquire more and, and be, you know, more of, you know, successful and give back a little bit. And that's where I find the balance is being able to pour my energy into to young people and the environment and those that, you know, still need support. While we're on the subject of the environment and not on the subject of acting, what you're doing, and, I, and I've spent some time trying to understand it, and obviously today we've been at a roundtable discussion, I've learned about what you've been doing. And for someone to take that much of a, you know, people in your position can take that kind of stance. You get, you have that exposure, so you can you can take a stance and you can work towards something kind of like peripherally. But to actually get in at the deep end and get stuck mm. in doing what you're doing is quite epic as far as I'm concerned. How, how did it come about? Um, was it from a kid? Were you as a kid worried about that kind of stuff? I, you, you know, I, I, my mother raised me to be compassionate and to care about others. And growing up as an only child, I, I you know, needed to bring people into my circle, chosen family. And, and, and I grew up in New York City. So I never, ironically, I, I didn't feel connected to nature. I didn't even know, I didn't even understand that I lived on the ocean. New York City is, a, is an ocean city. Yeah, yeah. And in my mind, we're in concrete, that's all. And I think that's the truth for a lot of people where we have this disconnect. And that, that was a, an interesting challenge for me is how do, you, how do you get people who are so disconnected from the ocean, for example, care about the ocean? Because whether or not they know it, their actions, what they do, how they consume affects the ocean. So... Um, and, you know, this is this is something that I learned uh, it, it's, it is that the oceans, we own the oceans collectively. You know, barring some, uh, you know, coastal areas like just off the coast of the oceans in which certain countries will control that area. The vast majority of the oceans are owned by all of us. They're a common pool resource, which means we have to take ownership and make sure that they're taken care of. Um, and, and so that, to me, that's, that's the most empowering thing. When, you when, actually... when we're getting scared about what's happening, 70% of the planet is covered by water mm -hmm. and we're getting scared and worried about what's happening to 70% of the planet. Mm -hmm. It means that something has to change. <laughs> did, did you know what I mean though? It means it's not like a small part. This is the no. majority of the world is covered by the ocean. And if we're getting that kind of buildup of plastic and that kind of problem, then it really is scary, isn't mm -hmm. it? Yeah. Well, you know, and, and we also, I think, need to make systemic change, deep rooted, uh, real lasting, fundamental change. Because right now there's a wound and we're just trying to put like a Band-Aid on, uh, you know, a very deep wound. We need to make sure that we're, we're not just... Um, you know, making superficial changes, but we're actually changing who we are as consumers, as what our lifestyle changes are, because that's really how we're gonna help the ocean. It's not about going to clean up the ocean, it's about cleaning up ourselves first. Mm -hmm.
And that's that's always going to be such a huge challenge with so many different cultures and so many different parts sure. of the world and different belief systems. Yeah, but that's that's what that's, what's our, needed, that's yeah. what our existence is. That's our biggest opportunity is we get to be alive. How do we want to live? And that's always been what humans have made had to what kind, what choices humans have to make for all of time. Now you're here in Dubai. You've been fortunate enough to get exposed to some business people that are trying to do something from a sustainable point of view. A few people are making a difference out there, and that's great to see, as we see today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe we can just get a couple of them on the show just to come and join us for five minutes. Yeah, and let's see what their story is. Okay. Okay, and by surprise, we've got two guests. Thanks for coming to join us on the show. Okay, and thank you for coming today and putting this together and sharing your story. Adrian and I were just talking about it. The difference that you guys are making has been really enlightening and fantastic. Where does it come from? Well, it just comes from the need, the necessity. Uh, you look around and I said it before, we, this has to stop the way, and we're talking about plastic here, obviously, the way that we consume not only food, but the way that we package that food and where, and where that goes, most of it we've heard today from so many people, into the ocean. Um, and it's no point people just keep picking it out if we don't stop putting it back in there. Fair point, Ian. I think for us, it's, it's just, it's something we, it just, we feel compelled to do. I mean, it, this is a problem that's not getting better, it's getting worse, and there's, there's, there's not a lot of thought going into what's, gonna, what's this gonna look like a year from now, two years from now, five years from now. Um, and at some point you have to put your, you know, your, your toe in the water and say, we're gonna do something and make a difference. When we have our first, have you got children? I do, no. Okay, I have kids. And when you have your first child, it's kind of like a, a strange old experience that happens overnight, literally overnight. As, as some of you will know, that baby comes and you didn't realize it was possible to love. Your priorities just changed. In the way that you love that right. child. That's right. <laughs> and then you, the second child comes along and you, all you're thinking through the pregnancy is how on earth am I going to be able to give the love to this other child, you know, it, the, the, this child gets all the love. And then you realize that you can, but you become incredibly protective of them as, as babies, but wanting to see the world for them better than the way that you left it. And it's such a, it's a moment in your life where you have this overwhelming feeling and you can understand that, yeah? And sadly for some, so many of us, it whittles away. If we could just keep, if we could keep that moment and that feeling and we could, we could put it in a box, in a jar, and just keep it forevermore and make sure that we remembered it, then well, I'm sure we could do a lot of know, things. And, and, and what's sad is, you know, we, we take care of our own children, but we don't want to take care of ourselves or each other as if we were taking care of our children. And I think, you, I don't have children, but I have your children because I'm, you know, the, the work I do is for all of us. For, I mean, it's, I, I give myself to you and to your children and to the world. And I, I think that's a, it's, it's a spiritual calling. It's not just a business proposition and an opportunity. It's also a spiritual. Yeah. And if you can orient yourself and really know why you're doing it, it's not just because it's a smart, you know, novel thing that they're doing because they have a cutting edge in an industry that hasn't quite gotten there yet. Early adopters, congratulations. But it's also for the reason it's for humanity. Simon Sinek wrote a book called Find Your Why. I know Simon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Consumer-wise, business-wise, human-wise, we have to think that, and you know, it, it's, a, it's a principle in theory, does the, when, you, when you speak about cost or something, what's it gonna cost me to do something? That cost doesn't equal the real cost of it. So if you have a plastic bowl or a plastic bottle or whatever it is, that might cost something, but just in terms of how much you pay for it. But what is the rest of the world paying for it? What's the ocean paying for it? What, what are the animals paying for it? What's the, what, 
how, how much does that go backwards and forwards in the future? Again? Yeah, so yeah. Well, about a dollar? No, it's not a dollar. There's many, many, many multiple dollars. What's the name of that girl? Greta Thornburg? Greta Thornburg. She made some very compelling statements, took some very compelling action and created a movement and in ways that we haven't seen for many years mm. um, and made us all stood up and, and just take notice a little bit. It was one of those, a little bit like the doctor that says to the smoker, one more cigarette and you're gonna die. Mm. It's like she made us all just stop for a second and just gulp and just, I just hope that her work can be carried forward and she can do even more as she grows up and becomes an adult. I mean, she'll be a force to be reckoned with for sure. She clearly found her why. Yeah, she did. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming to join us on the show, Adrian. I appreciate you. you coming to join us. Ladies and gentlemen, how cool is that? Movie stars and people changing the world all on the Spencer Lodge podcast. We'll see you soon. Thank <laughs> you.